Bienvenidos, and welcome to episode 46 of the Jackman Sports Show. I am Matthew Miranda, joined as always by the nostalgic Jonah Birch. I am very nostalgic, that's true. Tell, that's tell the people true. why you're feeling nostalgic, Jonah Birch. Well, Where you know, you? I'm, I'm back in the homeland in Boston. The prodigal son has returned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to the place it all began. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on on Mission Hill in Boston recording this. And I went to the KG retirement slash Celtics Mavs disappointment on on Sunday. But uh, the, the game was not so great for the fans there. The retirement was. The love fest between Paul Pierce, KG, and Ray Allen was delightful. So let me um, ask you something about that particular moment. Because... Yeah. I really loved Paul Pierce's game, but I think he can be very much at times what the French call a dick. And <laughs> there was something about... So if you didn't see this, the ceremony, it's often as ha- at halftime, but this time it was after the game. And when Garnett was up talking, he kind of called out, pointed out Ray Allen in a positive way. And there was a great response. And Ray Allen got up and came over and hugged him. And while they were hugging, which is this really tremendous moment, even if you're not a Celtic fan, because... Those two, the arrival of those two together is really what what propelled Boston to a title and to a, a dominant run. But also, their beef, I think, other than maybe Rondo and Allen, has been like the fiercest since then. At least Garnett yeah, towards sure. Allen. Yeah. So th- they're hugging, and it's this tremendous, you know, human moment. And <laughs> I think Celtic fans probably read this differently than I did. While they're hugging, Paul Pierce comes in and joins in the hug. And it's very sweet. Oh, yeah. That is not what, you know, you are such well, a cynic. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, Jesus, can Paul Pierce ever, like, not make it about himself? And I will refer you, Exhibit That's A ridiculous. in my in this case, uh, Isaiah Thomas with two A's coming back to Boston for the first time. And Paul Pierce, very secure in his masculinity, made a stink about Isaiah returning and getting a video tribute the same day that his number was tired. So am I being unfair to Paul Pierce? I think you I are absolutely unfair. being unfair to Paul Pierce. Okay. You know, this is one of those, your, your, your view of this depends entirely on where, where you start from entirely on your perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, he, he shoots from, from the hip. He videotapes from the hip, you he know, does. He does. That, that the expression. I think he's pretty much high. I'm still hoarse, by the way, from the retirement ceremony. Uh, How was the energy and the vibe there? Was it crazy? It was crazy. The the fact that they lost before the ceremony was a bit deflating. But yeah, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I mean, it was was such a love fest. The boos for Isaiah Thomas were delightful. Isaiah Thomas was there, like your Isaiah Thomas. He was there? Yeah, yeah. Why was he there? I don't know. He and KG have some kind of relationship. But, uh, oh, for Chicago, yeah. Chicago. That's why. Right. We're both yep, from Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Every time Good, they I'm showed gonna... Isaiah, the crowd started booing. You know, viciously. That's right. He got that's up. Right. Yeah. He he got up and gave a bow. Uh, it was that was kind of a it was a funny moment. But the thing about yeah. it is about what you're talking about is that they came in as the big three, right? Mm-hmm. And. After it all went down and Ray Allen left for Miami for a whole variety of reasons and, uh, you know, people should watch the History of, of Beef YouTube video about this, Yeah, uh, yeah. which is great, you know. 
Um, I, I believe by a friend of the pod, Seth Rosenthal. It is, yes. And Seth Rosenthal, his his history of, of these videos were are, are amazing. I, I, we all wish he would do more of them. I, I wish he would just do videos about the beefs in my life, you know? Uh, you know, various conflicts that I've had over, but I, you know, just so I could get some clarity on them. Um, but you know, when it all went down and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Rondo Ray Allen schism will never be healed, but the, the, you know, what is the, what is the particular beef between Rondo and Ray Allen? So, I mean, you should watch the video. It, 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 I mean, it was real internal shit right on the team that that Rondo was getting better and better and uh, Ray was feeling more and more sidelined and there was a shift in the dynamic between them, which had started as kind of the Ray Allen, big brother, Rondo, little brother. They're both also, I, you know, I, I say this with deep love and to be honest, particularly for Rondo, who I will love to, to forever, you know, in a very complicated way, but uh, they're both weird ass people. Right? I mean, they seem yeah. insane in very different ways. Ray Allen's ways. a weirdo. Yeah. 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 Ray Allen is a weirdo. A- anyway, the, the KG-Ray uh, Allen split, it there it felt like it could get healed. And it, mm. Paul Pierce was the peacemaker. He was the bridge, right? He was the bridge between okay. all of them. And, and so the combination of those things, I mean, he had a place of honor in this. He's KG's best friend. They were on. The, they were part of the big three together. He was the captain of the team that you know KG was on for the Celtics. It felt uh, very appropriate, right? It felt not not inappropriate. Two. Can I say two other notes from this retirement ceremony? Of course. First of all, KG is. I want him to MC my wedding. The man is a. He's one of the most charismatic, talented speakers I've ever seen in my life. He's really I, good. I, he is amazing. He was so uh-huh. good. Brian Scalabrini was like interviewing him, which everyone was like, yes. uh, Brian and Scalabrini was clearly nervous. And KG was like, you're doing great, brother. You're doing great. Uh, <laughs> another hilarious, you know, he was calming him down, you know, like building him up. My friend who I went with was like, how long do you think it's going to be before KG drops an F-bomb? Literally his <laughs> first sentence, first sentence, he goes, Boston, I knew y'all fucked with me. I didn't know you fucked with me like this. It was, which was great. <laughs> um, then the the reunion tour of former Celtics. Uh, so, you know, they try and bring back people whose numbers are retired, and they tried to bring back KG's teammates. You know, and the current players were all sitting out there. Most of the great players whose numbers are retired couldn't make it. There were like family members of like late Celtic greats, Jojo White's wife and, you know, Reggie Lewis's wife, RIP, Red Auerbach's daughters, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the, cur- the, the like 2000 era Celtics who appeared, it's just an amazing, amazing collection. I mean, Big Baby is exactly the same as he was, you know, except maybe even kind of bigger. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Oh my God, Antoine Walker is enormous. There, there were like three Antoine Walkers there. It, I it really wow. like, yeah. He, he, anyway, yeah. Uh, I mean, not to, who am I, you know? But uh, I was. Just it's, really an observa- it. it's an observation. It's an observation. I think the big yeah. question on everyone's mind who wasn't there was: Did Dino Raja attend? No, Dino no, Raja. No, 
No Dino? Do you think? Yeah, Tony, Tony Delk? D- Tony Delk. Tony Delk is closer in era. I feel like Dino was. Dino's a little it, older. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, he probably overlapped with KG in the league by a year or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not even. Maybe just, I mean, I, no, that's not true. KG came in in what, 95? 95. 95. Yep. Okay. So Dino so was they, there. Dino was there. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe, yeah. Uh, Dino was scoring uh, 20 points a game and giving up 40 on the other end for very mediocre Celtics teams. No Tony Delk. Eddie House, fan favorite Eddie, Eddie House. House. The beloved. Former Nick Eddie House also. That's true. That's absolutely true. After those true. Boston days, yep. Yep. Yeah. He, Eddie, he House, made Eddie House was a microwave. People love Eddie House in Boston. Yeah, love people do. Eddie Even House. in New York, they loved him. Eddie House, could, could, he could hurt you. He could fill it up. It really is uh-huh. true. It, you uh-huh. know, people forget that in crunch time, it, in 2008, it was usually him over Rondo, or often him over Rondo playing, you know, playing down the uh-huh. stretch for the shooting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had two very good years for the Celtics. James Posey. James Posey James is Posey. aging like a fine wine. He, he, yeah. he looks really good, you know. Uh, another beloved former Celtics. He writes for basketballnews.com, and he's very good. He has really great right? stories. Yeah, really great stories. He wrote one about um, first time getting traded, and it was re- it was really like insightful. Um, wow. Is Allen going to get his number retired? He said that um, he was traded first when he was in Denver, and he was literally about five minutes from the arena on the way to a game when his agent called him, and the agent assumed he had heard the news, but he hadn't. So the agent's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm pulling up on the arena now. And the agent's like, you've been traded. Like, go home. And it was rough. Like, it was, he never, you know, they all say that. The first time it happens, it's always jarring for the business sense. Will yeah. Ray Allen have his number retired? I don't think he, he was should, a great. He was a great Celtic, but we're talking, he was a, he was you know, a good Celtic. Russell, he was, Bird. Is he on that level? Would you retire Ray Allen's number? Uh, he was a he was a very good Celtic. He was a great mm-hmm. buck, you know, and a great supersonic. I'm not sure he was yeah. a great Celtic. Um, okay. You know, I you know, I, he, he certainly wasn't at the level of KG or Pierce for for that team. I, that's going to be a discussion. It's for nostalgic reasons. People are going to want to, but uh, you they know, should retire. Think- they should retire Rondo's number the same night as they retire Ray Allen's that would be let's let's bring them back into the same building yeah Rondo is really going to handle he's going to handle that one well I, see Rondo actually is a prick but in a way that I love you know I, I think he's probably a mm-hmm. bit of a Paul Pierce is just a you know he's kind of a loudmouth. that's that's a different thing and he was a, a great yes. and vastly underrated player the Celtics have what I think 23 numbers retired at some Something point like you're gonna run out of <laughs> out of numbers, you know. Like, well, I, you know, unless we go into the triple digits, like, there's got to be a limit. Well, so, I believe yeah. it was Enos Freedom who wore double zero. So, there's a lot of places you can take it. Did you see the latest controversy with uh, with Enos? Enos, I did whatever. not. I did not. He accused the Celtics of of preventing him or trying to prevent him from wearing his like his shoes about whatever what what were his protest shoes about I, I can't oh remember. god yeah 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 uh, um, and so Brad Stevens was like yeah it was yeah 
um, Brad Stevens was like, that is not what happened. Like, we were just checking if, was it about China? Was it his China shoes? I think it was his I China think so. Shoes. I think so. I think so, yeah. Brad Stevens was like, we just want, all we said was, can we just make sure that the league isn't, you know, that you're going to get away with it, basically. We, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, and his freedom is so full of shit, you know, he, whatever yeah. else he is. Yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens is not lying about that. They weren't trying to prevent him from wearing his shoes. That's ridiculous, you know. There's, there's a lot of lack of virtue signaling when it comes to Mr. Freedom. Yeah, Mr. Freedom. So, so I'm start calling myself. Speaking of, uh, have you ever seen a better play live than the Jalen Brown dunk in that game? I have, yeah. Because at, at home, that was nasty. Yeah, it was beautiful. In a in an all around shitty game, that was a beautiful play. I, I I've seen more impressive plays. I've seen LeBron do more impressive things. I would say mm. mm-hmm. uh, live, you know, th- things that I. But that was that was it was nasty. It was it looked mm-hmm. it was good. Huh? I yeah, mean, it was awesome. I love him. Um, I feel like if Jalen Brown could just develop a little floater, you know, something like that would really help his game. Mm-hmm. He's very athletic, obviously. He's so good in space. Um, yeah. You know, that's just an element that would really help him. They couldn't hit a – the Celtics couldn't hit a shot on Sunday. But mm-hmm. it felt like they gave that game away. But, yeah, I mean, that was fun. Yeah. And the crowd was rocking. Yeah, it sounded like it. It looked they looked very involved. Yeah. Um, it's a tough loss. They've been playing great, but so has Dallas. Did you enjoy Luka live? Yeah, I mean, Luka is amazing. I feel like that Dallas team is a paper tiger, but what do I know? What a, you know? No, I agree I, with you. I don't think they're built to get. If they get to the second round, I think they get creamed, and I don't. I don't even know if they get to the second round. I mean, I, you know, this incredible defensive improvement. What do the numbers say in terms of the role of luck and teams missing shots and missing outside shots? And I know that um, last season, all the statisticians predicted that the Nick defense was going to suffer because opponents missed like an inordinate number of open threes last year. And we were all like, fuck you. Like, just give them credit. You hater. And then this season it happened. So I don't know if the Celtics have, it doesn't sound to me like they're, they're having improbable luck. It's not the Celtics. The Celtics defense is for real. The Mavericks. Oh, Dallas. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. No, that's not a thing to speak of, even. Um, but their defensive improvement has driven their right. I mean, they are haven't they moved up yeah, to like yeah. top six defensively? They have, they have. I'm not sure that, like, for example, I think in the East, if you get to the playoffs, you don't want to like the Celtics are not a team you want to play because that defense will be a pain in the ass for literally anyone that matches up with it. Dallas to me feels more like a team that is sixth in part because they're playing half of their schedule against teams who are not going to make the playoffs because that's just the league. Dallas right now is slated to play, oh Christ, who is it? Not Denver, Utah in the first round. Um, I think they could beat Utah. I think they could beat Utah because I think um, they have, we've seen, they have a a star single-handedly in Doncic that can take Gobert out and take him off the dribble and, and really neutralize a lot of that for the jazz, but like if I'm Utah, I'm not afraid of Dallas because I think they're going to figure out a way to shut down Donovan Mitchell or I don't know, clamp down on Bogdanovich. Like I, I, 
I should probably watch more Dallas. I just I don't have and kid kid has that rep. Like he's he's oddly more of a defensive coach than an offensive one. Um but I'm not I just don't trust Dallas. I just don't. To me, they're like the Cowboys. They're a lot of hype. They're constant hype. They're talked about way more than they warrant based on their play. Um right. but we'll see. You know, I mean it's an entirely different proposition now when you have Dinwiddie and not Porzingis like your defense is going to play much differently so maybe maybe that'll be more successful for them in the playoffs yeah um, Dinwiddie looked good I mean he's a nice you know he's a nice player he's a nice he's player. a nice pickup yeah in the you right know? situation so that was good yeah. yeah yeah so speaking of Boston and the Celtics Jonah there was of course the famous Rick Pitino press conference when he announced that Larry Bird wasn't walking through that door and Kevin McHale wasn't walking through that door and Robert Parrish wasn't walking through that door. But as we learned this week, someone who is walking through that door is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, who retired, I think, a month ago. And as Elvis, as Jesus, Elvis, as Elton John said, the bitch is back. Tom Brady has announced he is returning. Um, Are you surprised? I was shocked when I heard that. Not, not like Michael Jordan returning shocked, but I was still like, Oh wow. Like caught off guard at least. Were you surprised or no, I wasn't surprised. No, not at all. No. I mean, how much of his retirement had to do with him being pissed at Bruce Arians and the bucks. And it sounds more and more like a lot, like a lot of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, He was trying to force a deal to the 49ers maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, it didn't seem to me like he was done. And he's always said he wants to play till he's 45. And, you know, I, 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 it seemed like he had another season in him. Uh, I suspect he wants to go out on a high note. But everyone at this retirement ceremony was talking about it. People were whispering to each other, Brady's back. Were they? You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, whatever, man. I, yeah, I, I was not surprised one bit at Let all. Let me ask you this. Let's yeah. say Tampa calls Bruce Belichick and says, Bruce, you is, trade? Bruce Belichick, is that Bill Belichick's brother? You know, <laughs> he, he, just like Elvis, you know, Elvis John is. <laughs> if Bill Belichick were told, we'll trade you Brady for Mac Jones. That ship is. Are you, ship are is you doing it? Are you doing that it? That time is past. Sometimes is you need to. You need to know when you know when a relationship is over and it's time to move on. You know, are you saying was, Mac Jones? Mac Jones is the new girl. He's he is he he absolutely is. That's right. <laughs> you know, they've Christ. they've had a couple of you know we, they met on Tinder. They've had a couple of nice you know nice dates, but what, and we'll see where it goes. But yeah, uh, yeah there's no they they it, it doesn't make any sense for either side, and that's obviously not what Brady wants and. Thanks for the memories, you know. Are you glad that he's back, or did you want to see him, like... I'm always right, glad Tom. when Tom Brady's back. Okay. Always glad when Tom Brady's back. I, how are the playoffs not going to be more exciting next year, you know, with with Tom Brady there? Of course they will be. Of course you want that. I, you know, this Super Bowl sucked, as I, as I remember. Did. I've, I've it blocked did. it out. Give me Tom Brady in the Super Bowl any day of the week. You... You know, it's one of those things that when he's gone, you're going to miss him. Like, you know, people forget how boring Super Bowls were in the pre-Tom Brady era. Well, that's what you're, you know, you're you're going to go back to. That is 100% true. You know. 
I, I remember Scott Scott Norwood very clearly with a very exciting Super Bowl. Okay, but um, what about the next three that the Bills lost? Boring, more boring, boring S. Well, I would put it this way to you. As someone who, particularly at the time, was rooting very hard against the Buffalo Bills, I found those games very exciting. But I know what you mean. And I do know what you mean, and I do know that Super Bowls have often been terrible. And Tom Brady has played in a number of really dramatic, exciting Super Bowls. Do you think, you know, you look around at the NFC now, you know, it's very hard to repeat, so the Rams already have that stacked against them. The Niners got rid of or are getting rid of probably, you know, Garoppolo to go with a rookie. Yep. Sean Payton leaves. The NFC South is a terrible division. Do you think Brady was – do you think Brady in any way was influenced by, look at the NFC, like I can come back and win this? Or do you think if the NFC had like loaded up – I don't know. I feel like if you're 40 I, – I don't feel like that made his decision – but it had to help make his decision to realize that, like, I can step in right now and and you can write us in pen for a dozen wins and a division title and who knows what else. And who's he afraid of? I mean, they almost beat the Rams last year. There's no one to be afraid of. Do you think that at this point, I mean, is Tom Brady, is he ever not confident going into a matchup, into a season, right? I mean, any team he's going to go to is going to be pretty stacked. Yes. And it's going to be at least a competitive team. He clearly thinks that his presence is enough to put a team over the top. He has been proven right. History has not, you know, has not refuted that assumption. I don't even know if he thinks in those terms, right? But maybe, you know... Maybe but can can he win without Antonio Brown? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what about if if he doesn't have Gronk? You know, I have to. I would assume Gronk. They're, they're a package deal. Yeah, they're tied at the hit. Yeah, he's got to come. There was you might be interested in this. There was quite a bit of rumor mongering last week on Western New York Sports Radio when Brady was still safely retired that Buffalo native Rob Gronkowski would maybe consider signing with the Bills. And there was a rumor, it was substantiated yesterday, but it wasn't him. There's a lineman, I think a guard on Tennessee, an all-pro guard, who just signed with the Bills and talked about how they're so close to a title like it made him want to come to Buffalo, which people here get very excited about because Buffalo is not a draw for free agents generally. Right, right, right. When the rumor came out last week that there was an all-pro level player interested in signing with the Bills, everyone thought it was Gronkowski, and everybody was so excited. Like, Brady gets, you know, the the marveling and recognition he deserves because we've literally never seen, I would say, in team sports, not just the NFL, a player that, I mean, that's LeBron eight years from now still dominating. But for all the credit that Brady gets deservedly for being as dominant to this unprecedented degree, Rob Gronkowski at a physical position that's extremely demanding. Yeah. Like you, a lot of teams would take probably Kelsey over him, but like if Rob Gronkowski was your tight end next year, most of the league is happy that he's, yeah, I mean, he's a valuable weapon still, let's say, yeah, right? he is. you know, he's not the player he was five years ago, obviously, you know, who could yeah. be when he was yeah. both the, the best blocker and the, the best pass catching threat. You know, mm-hmm. in the league, mm-hmm. possibly. I, you know, he and you know, at a at a skill position. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he still he still can play for sure. And the year off clearly did him good, right? Yeah, it did. Um, let me ask you this question, Jonah Virtual. 
who has been the most exciting celebrity meeting that you have ever had in your life? Wow. Wow. That you were most excited to exchange words with this human being. And you can't say Bhaskar Sankar. We're leaving him out of this. It's <laughs> going to be someone else. Um, Harry Belafonte. That was a good one. Harry Belafonte. Very good. Where did that happen? It happened at a, a union dinner maybe 15 years ago. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's no big deal. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Huh? I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. I once met Dwight Evans in the airport. I believe in the Albany Dewey airport. Evans. Dewey yeah. Evans in Albany. Yeah. Very exciting. Sam Perkins. I met Sam Perkins once. <gasps> the laconic yeah. Sam Perkins. Where'd you meet him? Also at an airport. I spent a lot of time in airports. I don't know what to I tell you. <laughs> I see that. Sam Perkins. Was what about dude. you? Who, yeah. So what's your, uh, here, I'm tying this into our next topic. So, I was lucky enough about 10 years ago to meet one of my political heroes speaking at the college where I taught it. It was Ralph Nader. And I was very, very excited because Ralph Nader is, I think, the only person I have ever, I just loved him so much. And I love that he's like dedicated his life to just helping people. I think he's awesome. But Ralph Nader at the time was signing um, a book he had published, a novel called um, Only the Super Rich Can Save Us, which was a novel about like late stage capitalism. I, 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 if I remember right, the premise was that like it got so out of hand in this, in this kind of satirical work that like only if the richest people in the world came together, could they like combat all this wealth? It was like a, a Nader twist on, you know, satire. And I thought of that when I saw the MLB lockout come to an end and the press reporting that baseball has added now instead of having one luxury tax there's like four tiers of it and each tier has different penalties and baseball added a tier at 290 million which is being called the steve cohen tax because obviously baseball is trying to rein in that the met owner will spend whatever and not care i I'm looking at Steve Cohen now in this ironic way as like, can Steve Cohen save baseball? And and not only that, I'm going to give you a wild premise. Not only can Steve Cohen be the man to save Major League Baseball, he could be the man to usher in a golden age of like justice in sports because no wow. athletes. Wow. Uh, stay, stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> not only in baseball, but in all sports, particularly the other sports that have a salary cap. Other than maybe European football, I don't know if anyone makes what they deserve, particularly at the top. Like yeah. Tom Brady doesn't get paid what he deserves in terms of the wealth that he creates for his boss. Um, same thing with Mike Trout um, or certainly like someone like Shohei Otani. And same thing with, you know, LeBron James. Um, you can't pay LeBron James enough for what he actually brings in. Baseball is the only sport that doesn't have a cap, but these assholes, like revenues are up so much from 20 years ago. Salaries really are not like, they're not, they're not that they're not keeping up with the revenues. And totally. the fact that, and, and Cohen has already been asked and said, like, this tax is not going to stop me from spending money. Like I'm going to spend what I want to spend. First of all, it's unfathomable to me as a Met fan that my team has gone from owners who ran it. Like they were the, the, the A's, 
or the Cardinals in terms of payroll to almost, you know, only the Dodgers are at the Mets level now. But I think I'm ex- I, I so I want to ask you it's about the New lockout. I mean, that's how it should be. Exactly, but it, that's not how it is in any sport. Yeah. And and now that the Yankees are no longer acting like the Yankees, the Mets are really the only team left in sports. This is a weird statement, but it's true. The only team in sports that can operate like a quote-unquote New York team is the Mets. Because right. every other team is capped out, and the Yankees have turned into the Mets. Yeah. Do you think, from what you saw of the lockouts, um, conditions, and terms and everything, like, is there ever a victory for labor in professional sports collective bargaining disputes? Because I feel like every single time, basically, the owners, they have more money, so they're more willing to wait things out, and there's more players with more fragmented interest. I didn't see this as a win. I know they got some of the things that they wanted, but... Anything that ends in the owners cementing more rules to not spend money that they're obviously raking in, I think, is a loss. Did you? Did you have? Yeah, a but the owners didn't get what all. You know, it's all about context, right? You know, and and the owners didn't get what they wanted, right? They didn't. They didn't fully get what they wanted, uh, and that yeah, seems like. Uh, you know, is that a win like, or is that a draw? Yeah, I think that that was a win in this context. I think it was going to be very difficult. You know, um, I mean, always capital has the business has the advantage over labor, right? You know, for a whole bunch of reasons. Like you're right, they can they can wait long, they can outwait labor, right? You know, people need to go back to work; they got to eat. Whereas business tends to have more breathing space. Other reasons too. I mean, they you know they don't have to act in a, a huge group of people acting together, right? You know, it's a, it's a relatively small number of people who have mm-hmm. to coordinate in this case, you know, there, but whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think this was generally a victory for the players, right? I mean, that's my impression of it. My, my half baked impression of this deal. Is it fair to, to wonder if this kind of a union specifically baseball, I think, cause there's no, there's no cap that this kind of a union can build towards doing better next time because this isn't like, you know, a national meat packers union that has like thousands and thousands of members. There's, there's probably between just not even a thousand players in the major leagues. Um, Here's the great irony of this. At the end of the day, what the players want is a free market in labor, Right. If there was a completely free market in baseball labor, the players would have enormous leverage given the scarcity of their skills, right? Mm-hmm. And the limited, yeah. you know, what like there would be a whole bunch of teams bidding on. The owners want to re- prevent that. I mean, right? They want to pre- make sure that there is the opposite of a free market in labor in baseball. Mm-hmm. That is the, you know... Which is not, it's all a reversal from the normal situation that, although not always, but you know, but it's a fascinating thing to think about. What would it mean to do better? I, at the end of the day, it would mean that the normal rules of a capitalist labor contract would apply to baseball, which is I sign an agreement with an employer in the United States. When that agreement is over, I can go find another employer, which gives me leverage to bargain for a higher wage and a better deal. Yes. 
Now, normally that whole situation favors business. Here, obviously, it would put the the, the you know the players in the driver driving seat. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. I you know to get rid of the six year, you know the six year indentured servant servitude. That's yeah. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that's even worse than the NBA. The NBA has you basically if they want for up to five years. But that means you're a free agent between 23 and 25, 26. Baseball has guys for like almost a decade. Yeah, and it, part of the difference is that the NBA regulates the length of contracts. Baseball says mm-hmm. even when you don't have a contract, you're still under team control, right? So you have to renegotiate a contract without the ability to leave, which means you have no leverage, right? I mean, that's how it works in a baseball – in a, like – you know, for younger players in baseball, you go through an arbitration process and, but it just seems bizarre to me. It's a bizarre, and it was this compromise solution after the the courts got rid of the reserve clause, right? In response to Kurt Flood, this was the compromise that emerged via collective bargaining, right? I mean, that's my, that's my impression, but it's a terrible, terrible situation for younger players. I mean, it seems egregious and unjust, I don't know if they can get better. I, I I don't I don't know enough about you know baseball labor relations. Um, it doesn't feel like this fight is over, does it? No, that we, not at we all. have a. There were so many issues that got kind of pushed to the side, but they're not going to go anywhere. And with the revenue that's going to come from new TV deals and especially sports yeah. gambling, like I'm sure in the next five years it's going. Well, concerning yeah, this one was. There was zero pretense of alignment before they got a deal done. Like the players were openly just kind of coming after Manfred, I thought deservedly. And Manfred at at every press conference seemed to go, I mean, I know his job is to represent the owners and to like get the heat directed at him, but he's like smiling and laughing, like at a press conference to announce. I mean, that I, I felt maybe this time it would go differently because the owners really seemed to me to be so blatantly greedy in this deal at this time also like when the when so many people are still their lives are kind of in upheaval and and the players weren't asking for you know radical changes um the the thing the players were holding to the most was just wanting rules in place that would mandate that the the owners behave competitively and not just pocket money um yeah, I would like to see Steve Cohen save baseball. That would be a, a charming outcome to this. I would you know. too. Um, <laughs> are you excited for the return of the Boston Red Sox or perhaps the Milwaukee Brewers? I don't know where your heart lies these days. Uh, I will go to some Brewers games. That's yeah. fun. Uh, the Brewers are demanding more money from the from the state to fix their stadium. Are they? Uh, yeah, which is a very new stadium. Uh, which was, you know, I mean, Wisconsin has been a poster child for using public money to, to help build private stadiums. So I believe it's called American Family Field now, something like that. Brewers uh. Uh, but I will go. I'll go to games. Fenway Park is unaffordable, you know, and uh, a bit like Disneyland. But I, yeah, sure, I'm excited. I'm so focused on basketball. Really, what I want to talk about is the Sixers Nets. We never got a wait. Wait, give me one. Give me one second. Okay, go ahead. My dad took my two sisters and two nieces to 
a Yankee Red Sox. He lives in Massachusetts. So last year he took them in the summer to see the Yankees play the Red Sox at Fenway. And he didn't tell me the final price, but you're literally not exaggerating when you say that it was like Disney. Like it was four of them. Sorry, it was one sister and two nieces. And it was it was like I think around fifteen hundred, like for four people to go to one game. So you're not exaggerating. No. It's insanity. Like I have I, I don't like living in a a third rate sports town, but we have a minor league hockey team and a minor league baseball team. And for, you know, pennies, you can be sitting in a great spot and showing your kid like a baseball game or hockey up close and the concessions are cheap and it's like very fan friendly. Like that shit's cool. Yeah. So start again um talking about how you want to talk about the Sixers. Let's I what I really want to talk about is the NBA. For, forget baseball for a second for another okay. month. Let's talk okay, about the Sixers and the, and the Nets. Oh, that was oh Nelly, that was, that was a fun one. Huh? <laughs> That's, that is probably right now the only rivalry in the league, I would say. Maybe Brooklyn-Milwaukee, <laughs> but certainly Brooklyn-Philadelphia. Like they And Bede and Durant are always joined with each other. Now you've got that Harden-Simmons twist. It was very, very exciting and dramatic, I thought. Um, I can't believe that all the narratives about James Harden are true. Every single one about how he flops, about, you know, small game James. It's such a cliche bullshit thing about every other player except about James Harden, who really does shrink in the biggest moments, right? You know. Are you saying that you think when the Sixers are in game six of the second round – Facing elimination or, or the shot to move on, you don't trust James Harden. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> I trust him to put up a, a, a you know whatever three for seventeen, a Starksian, you know. Starksian. That hurts. That hurts. I mean, I you know, I don't know, man. I, when it happens again and again and again and again and again and again. At some point, and you know, it's it's too bad because he has been a great player. He has he's taken he's a great player, but in the uh, in yeah, and he's taken teams. I mean, he when he led the Rockets to almost beating the Warriors, it mm-hmm. was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what a fucking flop he is in these games. How can you trust Philly in the playoffs when they're relying on him like that? I think what's under addressed when the trade was made is that it's not quite like when he went to Houston where he was part of a one, two where number three was way below. Like when he got to Houston, he was with, you know, Dwight Howard was there and then it was Chris Paul and then it was Westbrook. Whoever was beneath those two was always like well beneath those two. Those were top heavy teams. I think the presence of people like Maxi. And Tobias Harris, like they they need Harden, but I don't think they need Harden to be what Houston needed him to be. And sure. I think in that sense, I, I agree with you. I think if Houston's up three to two, I feel a lot better about how he might play than if they're down three to two. I think yeah. he's a bit of a. I think he is a front runner, but I also think like you know sometimes it's about just pairings and like Oscar Robertson was an incredible player who never won a championship until he played with an amazing big man 
who put him. I'm not saying it's the same situation, but I'm just saying that like we've seen the narrative before of like amazing player and and okay, let me let me scratch Oscar Robertson because I don't think he was putting up three for seventeens when they were losing to the Celtics. Let me scratch Oscar Robertson, but I still do think like Philadelphia this year I think showed enough with before the trade to tell me that they have enough even if Harden plays like an all-star and not an all-NBA player. They have enough to win because he's not there for his defense. He's there for his offense. And he's he's so incomparably better. Playoff Harden is regular season Harden offensively compared to Ben Simmons. Hey. Um, yeah, I mean, that obviously that team wasn't relying on Ben Simmons this year. Um, I, yeah, I don't even. Who knows if Ben Simmons is going to play this year? Huh? I doesn't really sound even... doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good, man. Let's see what happens. I'm I'm I, before the playoffs. We're, we should put some money on this. I don't know if you gamble. Oh, yeah, let's. I do absolutely. It because, I will definitely gamble. Um, I'm I'm. Th- yeah, the the Sixers have a lot of things that would make me nervous if I were a Sixers fan, but. What do I oh, know? good! I see some. I see some Philly bets coming. I like this. Yeah, let's I do like it. this. Gambling, of course, now legal in the great state of New York. So, DraftKings, if you're looking for another place to saturate the world with your advertising, come at us, bro. Jacobin Sports Show needs some of that sweet, sweet gambling dough. Um, Jonah, any other NBA thoughts that you want to get in? Are you feeling you feeling good for the day? I'm feeling good. We should come back next week. I, I, yeah, and you know, yeah. This is a nice little taste of nostalgia today. Nostalgia for the Celtics and Kevin Garnett and Tom Brady and baseball in the spring, and wondering about James Harden. Things we've been doing for years. Um, So that's it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us yet again. Please tell your friends and family about us. Follow the Jacobin Sports Show on Twitter at Jacobin Sports. Email us at jacobinsports at gmail.com. I'm not just reading that for my health. It's been very sad lately with no emails. Please send us something. They can be sports questions. They can be, um, if you like a recipe, I like to cook a lot. Just send us a Don't message. beg. Don't thing. beg. If they don't want to email us, we don't want, you know, we don't fuck their emails. Fuck them kids. <laughs> Unlike Kevin Garnett and Celtic fans, Jonah does not fuck with you like that. Yeah. Jacobin listeners. Uh, our producer, as always, the very talented Connor Gillies. That is it for this week. We will talk to you all soon. Take care, everybody. <laughs>